0: I think a lot of people would die to be a 5 handicap. Was there a pattern of me not being committed to shots? All I can do is hit the best putt possible.
1: That's the stuff we love, huh? Go go. Welcome aboard the Par Train where we help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again by unpacking the mental game with anyone from a PGA Tour pro to a golfer like you and me. So, what are you listening to? Who am I? I'm Brett. I'm the editor of the Partrain podcast. And we have decided it would be a great idea to start doing monthly recaps. So if you've fallen behind on podcasts, or if you're brand new to the show and want to just a taste test of each episode that dropped in the month of June, this episode right here will get you caught up and help you figure out which episodes you definitely want to go back and listen to in full. June was busy, but it was a good busy and a lot was accomplished with the Partrain. Partrain podcast, as always, presented by Roback ActiveWare. Head over to Roback.com, get that cart filled up, and when you check out, enter the code TRAIN. That'll get you 15% off your entire order. So back on June 4th, episode 245 dropped the chipping away, the shocking differences between a 10 and a scratch. Evan Serm, during this episode, had just returned from a trip to Arizona and a ton got started there. Live podcasts, uh, a brand new series called Swing Thoughts, so much more. All of that is viewable on the PARTRAIN YouTube channel. Of course, while you're there, be sure to like and subscribe for more content in the very near future. And you know the PARTRAIN, it's a mental game podcast, It makes us think deeper into the game of golf, and when we're thinking about things on the golf course, depending on your handicap, it may be a different thought than somebody that has a lower handicap. Let's say you're a 10. You might not be thinking the same thing as a scratch golfer's thinking when they're walking up to their next shot. So let's jump into this episode from June
0: 4th, the shocking differences between a 10 and a scratch. But here's the thing that I found most fascinating. The 10 and the 5 did not recognize difficulty. When it presented itself, the 10 and the five saw difficulty as easy and easy. The one and the plus three saw what the 10 and the plus five saw as easy. They saw that as difficult. Now this This is is mind blowing to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, let's talk about, do you think the 10 and the five thought this was easy or they just didn't take the time to assess to assess the hole and maybe understand that there is some difficulty
0: so let's go into the approach shot for a second okay because and just to put a bow into the tee shot the one hit a hybrid which flew a little bit farther than he thought because he didn't factor in that they were up a tee box
2: and it was just drier at the end of the day too
0: and to be fair like we're catching them off guard we're putting the camera on them like that's an element of this too yeah. right so he even made a mental error off the tee but it was with a hybrid
2: but but <laughs> right it, me, to yeah. him
0: that's what he said he's like was, if i could do he, it again he i wouldn't have probably maybe yeah. yeah yeah the plus 3 hit a 4 iron that rolled out a little bit farther but both were in perfect position on the left side of the fairway
2: cuz the fairway right? is just hard to hit
0: so right they're in yeah now here's the fascinating part when they're on this fairway i did not notice they both talked about a bit of a downslope i didn't notice that like you'd say how can you not notice a downslope honestly to the naked eye to a seven like me i didn't like to me a downslope is like it's way way big of a downslope like i wasn't factoring it in because it was very subtle again subtleties Details, okay. They both talked about that. Two, the plus three. Keith talked a little bit about downwind. Mm-hmm. I mean, barely. Okay, guys. But it's barely a, it's a, any breeze.
2: But a factor when you've got But downhill, a factor, a and I wouldn't have noticed it over water type whole location.
0: Now he also made a and good an point.
2: Al- awkward yardage too.
0: Yeah. So this is a <laughs> another great point on yardage and club selection. So Keith saw the plus three, a 70, I I believe it was about a 75-yard pin. He's made a good point. He said, I bet you a 10 or a 12 handicap would see a 75-yard pin, again, front pin, elevated green, water left, bunkers right, and try and hit, see the front of the green yardage. Let's just call it 65 or 70. They would try and hit the yardage in between 65 and 75, try and hit it 70 yards. He said that's the wrong strategy. Number one, that's really difficult. Mm -hmm. Again, he's seeing difficulty in a 75-yard shot uphill to a green, where if I'm walking into a 75-yard shot, that's a shot I feel pretty good about, I'm just like, oh, it's a 75-yard shot came to the right part of the green because of the water and hit my 75 yard shot. He was really thinking about it. He was factoring in the down slope. He was factoring in the, the down breeze. He was factoring in that it was a front pin. So he's got to play at least 85 because you can't go with the front pin with a wedge when you're coming in kind of flighted from a downhill lie, a hard shot to hit. Right downhill lie in with wind helping. It's really hard to play a high soft shot to a front pin, and that's not the time to play it. So, Keith hit it twenty five feet past the pin. He said, eh, "It wasn't my best, but I'm on. I'm fine." And, and that was it. a really difficult shot. The ten didn't think of it at of anything at all. He was very much like my mindset was. Whereas, hey, it's a 75-yard sh- shot. I've had a million 75-yard shots. You see how the 10 treated that 75-yard shot as every 75-yard shot where Keith, the plus three, was picking out the, the smallest subtleties and considering how difficult that shot was when the 10 didn't see difficulty at all?
2: Yeah, you got to look into what a championship mindset and pre-shot routine is versus a 10 handicap mindset and pre-shot routine fascinating right and and basically what we saw with the plus three keith and what we saw with the one I don't think it was say with, the
0: result whether and what they made on the yeah boat, but what, people will have to the, watch the video jeff it was jeff jeff
2: it, it was a similar situation so we don't need to belabor that, that he what did he call the puke zone
0: oh did yeah he, did, which yeah, is his puke what, zone
2: 55 to 75 yards he said and that's right because he calls it that because he doesn't like to be this yardage because you can't hit a full shot. You have to be very delicate. Then you throw in the downhill lie the downwind, the tight mm-hmm. pin. So he was he was talking talking and laughing about, it. well, I didn't want to be in the puke zone, but I am, you know, and I've got a difficult shot. He had a little better in- angle than Keith. He was more on the right side because he took it over the over all the bunkers, yeah, and it was ended up able to hit it under under the hole, but same. Same walkthrough, right? Yeah. You think these, you know, short irons are just like you said, routine for these guys, but they really understand. It's just all risk assessment, right? It's all risk assessment. Keith's but I think like, it's awareness
0: too. You know, and like and attention need, to detail.
2: Where do I need to be? You know, if if I don't hit my best shot.
1: Such a cool episode, episode two forty-five from June fourth. The shocking differences between a ten and a scratch coming down off of that Arizona trip where the boys actually had their very first time playing together as a team in the Duel in the Desert, as a matter of fact. Cool episode. Also on the YouTube channel, you're able to check out videos which feature nine holes from day one, the second nine holes from day one, and as we head through the weeks and months, we'll be getting you the rest of those days, nine holes per video, so be sure to go over there, like, and subscribe, and turn on notifications as well so you know when these videos drop. Going through the month of June, we're going to go to episode 247. Now, we did skip episode 246. That is an LFG episode, which would have been LFG number five. Go back to the month of June, find that. That's going to give you the motivation and then extra push before you get to the first T box and whatever it may be, whatever type of motivation you're looking for, more than likely as the days and months and weeks and years go by, we're going to have plenty more of those episodes, all with a different theme to give you that motivation before you tee off. So episode 247 from June 11th, guest John Sherman, he's the author of The Four Foundations of Golf, How to Build a Game That Lasts a Lifetime. Spoke with Evan Serm about commitment, one of the biggest things on the golf course, and we're going to dive straight in. And as you're listening, assuming you're not driving or anything, you can go to the Par Train YouTube channel. Look for the Golf Commitment Challenge. Evan Serm will take you through five holes and do what they can to stay 80% committed. Episode 247 as the boys try to simplify the complexity of commitment with author John Sherman.
0: Now, we've talked about commitment, and well, like we talked about at the beginning, a lot of times it's a very subconscious, rooted in past bad memories that you can't seem to let it go. I spoke about the plus one that was steering it all day. Let's talk about that a little bit. How did you go from that to more freedom because I think everybody listening, I know I am, John, th- I'm like, how
2: do you let it go, John?
0: How do you well, let it go? I, I John? You, you've gotta, you got to, It's
3: can't go Well, <laughs> the more skill you have, the more you're able to, what I, what do I mean by skill at, at, at the impact interval, the more you could strike it more centered on the face, control where the face is pointing at and have a reasonable club path with that make functional interaction with the turf. The more you can increase all of those skills in your swing The more opportunity you have to be a little looser with like that other stuff. So, for example, like Jordan Spieth, I actually think he has a fantastic mental game. But you see him, you know, when he had his run in 2015, 2016. He scolded himself a lot. You know, at that U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, like just like screaming at the golf course. And I think that works for him. Yeah. But he's just so damn good that he can he can make that, let that happen versus if a 20 handicap was complaining about the course, I'd say like, listen, we got to be a little more, take some more ownership over things. Whereas the better player, I think tour players, they're almost better suited to like, you know, stamp that imaginary spike mark in front of the hole and think that was the reason they've missed the putt. So absolutely. Like the, the better you increase your skill and that's going to have to be earned through practice and playing more, the more opportunity you have, to to have a little bit more leeway in the mental game and then that goes the other direction too like i think you can be less skilled and have a very strong like strategic and mental game and outperform someone who's more skilled than you like i can tell you the players i compete against in tournaments i prefer it when it gets very windy and tough because then that's my opportunity to be one of the lower players on a leaderboard because i can outplay them mentally i will grind it out harder than them but they're probably better ball strikers than me John
2: think about that nine handicap at your your local country club he's 62 years old he hits a 240 butter cut every time he accepts who he is what his identity is and he's a great money player and he's always tough to beat in the team game right mm-hmm. where you can take another nine handicap who's maybe always thinking about how to get to that five or six handicap and is yeah. playing in fear
3: yeah
2: right the, the managing that I thinks You see both examples quite often.
3: Yeah. I I think you do have to be comfortable in your own skin and have some type of like identity to your game. You know, we all have different strengths. Um, Some people are naturally like better off the tee or they're better iron players. Like if it's one of those two, good for you. (laughs) Um, That's better. But yeah, you have to be like comfortable with the type of like game that you have and, I think you see that in the tour, tour game also. Like, there's some players who take on too many shots, and they're like, oh, "I wish I could hit that high fade like he does," but I'm like that low draw player. And then they start getting outside of that, and all of a sudden, like, I, I hate to say it, but like, I'll probably get trashed for this, but someone like Rory McIlroy, to me, like, you know, watching him over the last like five years, like the amount of different shots he tries to play on the course, like I'm watching him at Memorial when he had a chance to win, I'm like his identity is to me is this high draw player. And like, I try and see him like playing fades and different wedge shots. I'm like, I would just be curious if he just got totally simple again, like went the DJ or Brooks Kepka type route. DJ
2: said, I'm never going to yeah. hit a draw. And yeah. He's he, never, it like, never happens.
3: Exactly. <laughs> he memory said at the masters this year when they changed 13 routine. Yeah. He's like, I might draw it. I'm just going to hit my fade, whatever. Like there's something to be said about that. And that's the type of golf I want people to aspire towards is like, so simple and basic and that's your identity that you don't go outside that and I think you have a better chance rather than like oh I want to be like this guy I played with or this guy and have that shot and then you know play a putt like that and chip like that and there's like all these things competing for your interest in your mind and then that just makes it harder to stand over the ball with confidence in my opinion
0: I've always been shocked and this is take it as it is I mean I'm an eight handicap I shouldn't be commenting on Roy McIlroy's game but I've always been pretty shocked that he hasn't I don't see him playing flighted wedges all that often. Like, I remember DJ, the telecast made such a big deal over how often DJ spends with his track man and his wedged distances. But like, clearly, that's all he was working on was well, his he didn't wedge even distances. do it
3: beforehand. Like, it was so simple for him. I remember like he blew a couple of open championships because he was just couldn't Control his wedge distance. It's like he
0: bought a track man like <laughs> practice. As much as like that was it. He won a major. That was like. I don't see Rory flighting a lot of wedges. Everything is like because I, I agree with every shot leading into the green. Like play your shot, play your high draw. I mean, he's like, trying
3: to. I saw him like he, he's working some wedges and both. The, I, I just I think that's the curse of the gifted golfer. And he's yeah. I mean, he, who's more gifted, gifted than him? Like it's just like you can do everything, and he can do everything. Obviously, he can yeah and it's but, just then you watch it under like the pressure i'm like you're missing greens from like 90 yards like it's it's well, and- I, I I love watching him so much and that that's always been my thought with him over the last like five plus years is like what if he got like crazy simple like just crazy simple
2: tiger dealt and with the too when he came yes tiger well. tiger had a spinny shot yeah worked on a swing he,
3: you he know, nuked and, a lot of greens back in the day with his wedges. I remember when he first came up, he had horrible wedge. Finishing behind control, his neck.
2: Next thing yeah. you know, he's finishing out in front of his head. I mean,
0: yeah. So do you yeah. think John, <laughs> do you think that you can track committed swings going back to the original? At, question?
3: Yes, I, I, I do. Like, so the type of stuff that I like to do after every round that I always think for any golfer, this is a good exercise. is just to kind of like go through like a, a recap of your round the best you can like after you know right when the information's fresh i just kind of go through shots in my head and that's one of the questions i ask myself was there a shot today or shots where i did not feel comfortable over the ball and i had some like bad thoughts did that cause me to hit a poor shot or was it okay because you can still hit good shots with bad thoughts like that's just not yeah like that's another thing i want people to know like you can be scared you can be nervous i've played in I was
2: this happens all the time.
3: <laughs> I won my club championship this year. It was a 36 hole final match play. I was eating a turkey sandwich in between the 18s and all of a sudden I couldn't swallow. Mm. I was like I was like there's something ha-. I'm like what's going on here and like obviously I was nervous but it was okay and I went out and played and like I just kind of dealt with that and so like you can play good golf if you're nervous or don't have great thoughts like do i want you to have those all the time no but like that's okay too but i think when there's a pattern getting back to my original point when you start reviewing your shots after every round if you start seeing a pattern saying like oh i hit five t shots to the right and my pre-shot thought was don't hit it to the right and that was just dominating my mind well then that's something you're gonna have to deal with in your pre-shot routine and mental rehearsals like that's not easy but I'm always looking for patterns is my best answer to that question like was there a pattern of me not being committed to shots and then having outcomes that were not so good in tandem with that and and they're going to be highly correlated like you do need a, a certain level of commitment obviously
1: You know, the commitment challenge on the Partrain YouTube channel, Evan says something pretty early on. He says that, yeah, you want to commit to every shot, but you have to accept that you're not going to every single time. But he does say you could think about what would be the goal that would make an impact on your score. Check it out, the Golf Commitment Challenge on the Partrain YouTube channel. Hey, guys, real quick, I have a tip for you, and it's something that you can put in your golf bag, and it takes up nearly no space. Something with no harmful additives, no harsh chemicals, and as it says on their website, oarsandalps.com, no worries. Sunscreen, just as important on the golf course as having a clear head. And oarsandalps.com has so many products to make sure that you're staying safe out there. From the harmful rays of the sun. I started working with Evan and Matt almost a year ago, and I can remember that prior to that, prior to even hearing the words oars and alps, I would just ask my buddies on the course, hey, do you have any SPF 15? Hey, do you have any SPF 30? Now I say, hey, do you have any Oars and Alps because of the ingredients that are packed inside of these things. Over at oarsandalps.com, you're able to click on the sunscreen tab and you'll be able to find things like the hydrating antioxidant SPF 50, the go stick that we just absolutely rave about on the par train, the 100% mineral anti-aging face moisturizer with SPF 30. They have it all at oarsandalps.com. Get everything that you need to stay safe out there on the golf course and avoid any harmful damage from the sun. Evan loves it, Matt loves it, I love it, and I guarantee you will too. Again, oarsandalps.com. Get your cart filled up with all sorts of things that Oars Alps offers. And then at checkout, enter the code SPFTRAIN and get 15% off your order. We're going to move on now to June 19th. This was episode 248, and we're talking Wyndham Clark, the guy who turned from 20-plus missed cuts last season to win the 2023 U.S. Open. So this one was from U.S. Open Sunday. He beat Rory by one stroke, and it all took place at the L.A. Country Club. And to give you guys some behind-the-scenes here, everything on the course wrapped up super late because I'm an East Coast guy. And if you don't know, Evan Serm, they record those shows during major tournament weeks day of. And after the final round comes to a close, they jump in the booth, if you will, and get an episode recorded. So it's very fresh. It gives you that hot off the press feel after a tournament wraps up, a major tournament that is. And Wyndham Clark,
0: he played big from episode 248. Play big like Wyndham Clark. The guy almost quit the game when he was 19, lost his mom, breast cancer. Yep. Was playing terrible. Thought, why am I doing this? And I love what his mom said to him in college when she was sick and still living. She said, play big. And that's kind like of been his, for
2: something bigger than yourself.
0: Play for something bigger than yourself, whether that is inspiring else someone else, inspiring others. And you might be thinking, Well, how am I gonna? I'm an eight handicap. How am I gonna inspire someone? One shot could inspire someone.
2: Find your purpose within this game, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. like whatever you want to work on, the game can be a catalyst for that. So if it's maybe taking things a little less seriously, maybe being a little less judgmental towards yourself, maybe a little more patient, maybe having a little bit more trust that things will unfold as they're maybe supposed to. Whatever you're maybe working on, golf can be a catalyst for that to be done. And I think Wyndham Clark is a great example that you just kind of have to keep going. You have to believe in yourself. You started working with a a mental coach and look what happened. I think he's another great example, like the purpose of our show, sir, that it's not necessarily finding a little fix in our swing. That's going to change everything. Like we all hope that it will. It's something in our heads that can have a little bit more belief or take things a little less seriously. That can let our true abilities come out. I think Wyndham's a great example of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think before we get into today, we definitely want to dig in a little bit more about his journey because, you know, he had that really bad time at Oklahoma State, wanted to quit. He transfers to Oregon. You know, he lost his mom and he really ended up having a great career at Oregon. He was Pac 12 champ, I believe. And uh, you know, great. And then turns pro 2020, finished second at the Bermuda then 2021, Ev, he misses 24 cuts and is not in the top 200 in the world. And he talked about too, that was another extremely low point about quitting the game, right? Fast forward to 2023, he's number 12 in the in the world and top 10 in FedEx points coming into this week. And he got his first one at the Wells Fargo, right? Now he's a US Open champ. He's, his name is etched in history. So it's kind of like life. And then as it relates to golf too, where these players like hit rock bottom, then he's the PAC 12 champ, right? He hits rock, rock bottom on the tour. And now he's the U S open champ.
0: Yeah. It's
2: just how it goes. Yeah. Most of the time
0: for a lot of Makes for, me for, feel good. Honestly. For,
2: it, it, right. And Ricky Fowler hit his rock bottom. Right. <laughs> Five time right. champ, the player's champ. So Incredible. I mean, you know, his the Wells Fargo win was huge, and like, but yeah, he flew under the radar. But for a number twelve in the world, he was flying under the radar. But, but what a story for such a young guy. Like, I mean, we we love this stuff. We don't like to see people struggle, but we just all do. And then, what do we do about it? What can we share about it? What are the learnings from it? Like, you know, we've talked a lot about struggles on this show, and I think to see the U.S. Open champ questioning his golf game and his career after 24 cuts missed just two years ago. Right. It's an unbelievable turnaround. Yeah. So I thought that, that his performance this weekend today makes it all the more special, especially as we try to talk about how to figure out this really difficult game and, you know, and connecting it back to life and, and thinking the right things and personal growth. I mean, that's the stuff we love Ev. right?
0: Yeah. I mean, round one, he shot a 64, Pretty good. Round two, 67, three under. Round three, 69. Today, even par. With a I jam- think
2: what one-shot lead on the 18th hole, that's what you dream of. You know,
0: <laughs> you know what I think is really interesting about Wyndham Clark that I really take to heart, that I'm really going to take into my game, and I hope someone connects with this, is I think it's really natural for anyone who's struggled a lot, struggled deeply, and we've all struggled deeply in something. Right. It's really easy for your anti you voice, your ego, whatever you want to call it, that when you make a bogey or a double or you're staring down an important tee shot and you hit the slice that you hate or that low left that you really hate, the one shot you're trying to avoid. It's really easy for that voice to say, see, well, to, to, to let it define you. You can't. Yes. It is a defining feeling when that negative voice in your head says, see, you still haven't figured it out. You're not any good. But what I think the U.S. Open and Wyndham Clark taught us is, do you know how many moments like that he had? He uh, hit it into a bush.
2: Right. He he was in some really tough spots today. He couldn't even
0: see the ball.
2: I mean, he, he he did it. Pulled a Rory from Brown. He whiffed one, basically, right? He made right. contact and the ball didn't go anywhere.
0: Do you know how easy it would have been in that moment to say, oh, boy, this is when this when we goes,
2: go. the sirens go off and you don't start thinking? And then when yeah,
0: are you going to it? Hit
2: that again, I was like, oh,
0: I thought he was going to take a drop.
2: Maybe just take the unplayable. Like, yeah. But he did collect him th- his thoughts. And I think he just realized, I can do this shot. I just, just free it up. You know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think that's actually what I've learned these guys are so good at is they don't define themselves with the miss Correct. or if they do, which by the way would be totally human to nah, I mean, they nah, pass nah. it aside as a passing <laughs> thought and they refocus. So they redefine themselves with their choice of words. Right? right. And so to make a bogey in that moment showed that he just got really focused on what he was trying to do. And look, how many times did he come down? the? He came down the stretch I think I saw a stat by um, Justin Ray. He's basically one of the biggest stat guys in golf, right? Yeah. He said, I believe, first time all week, Wyndham Clark has missed three consecutive greens in regulation in the back nine, okay? Easy to be like, whoa, what what are you doing? You're choking, right? On the back nine, he bogeys 11 and 12, birdies 13, another thing tour pros do. Right, you heard John Sherman. It's very rare to see a really good player hit back-to-back poor shots, which I'm sure we do all the time. And then 17 going into the final hole, he makes a bogey. Or sorry, this was part. This was round three. Round four, sorry, he bogeyed 15, 16, and then part out. Sorry, I was looking at round three. But I mean, 15, 16, going in the two of the hardest holes on the course to win a U.S. Open, your first major. I mean, this is human stuff, right? It would have been easy for him to freak out. But I think this is what we hear all the sports psychologists these, tell us.
2: These guys don't.
0: You, But you have to keep telling yourself to fight. I think that's the thing. You have to tell yourself that you can do it. You hear these guys that are the best players in the world keep telling themselves, you can do this. You can do yeah. this. Right? Like, I think that's so eye-opening. You hear it in the telecast and you're like, oh, yeah. That, right. that just and, seems cliche, but think about what they're saying though. This is right. the, one of the best players in the world that isn't believing that they can do it.
2: Right. And poor shots are part of the game. Now the tougher part of the U S open coming down the stretch is like, you're just missing iron and you can't, you can barely find your ball, right? you got to go right. into the gun. gets up and down on six on nine, you know, on 17 on 11, like I'm just going through all these holes. And it's pretty incredible. You know, I think, you know, he pulled that iron shot on 17, which was a bad swing.
0: You know, oh, like, yeah, you start getting the poles when you hit a cut. But, that's got to be tough.
2: But look, it's a, it's the 17th of the year though. When I got a one shot lead, the flags on the left side of the green. It's just not my, that's not my shot. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cutter and he just tugs it. Right. And, but what does he do? It was not a bad, worst places to miss it. He was in the, you know, still had a good line up and down managing yeah. the mess. It's going to happen under the gun. He's probably just like, he's probably nervous. <laughs> and, and I don't, and I don't have the shot that really fits my eye. Right. Um, and then he just, what do we talk about with John Sherman? Minimizing mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he did that all day because he was, you know, he, you're going to be in some tough spots at U.S. Open. And he had the wherewithal. He almost looked like he was just, had this like next gear around the greens. Like he was just like, I'm getting up and down. He almost chipped in, pitched in all these shots too, Mm
0: -hmm. which was amazing. (laughs) Right. You know, I I don't Um, think you really gave the round of here's a hot take. I don't think you gave your round of golf as much as you could have. If you're not entirely exhausted after.
2: Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, look at, he just balled his eyes out. Right. Because like, think about how much
0: energy that takes with the world on your shoulders thinking about your mom, um, never won one. You're going up against Rory, Ricky, Scotty Scheffler, right? You know how easy it would be for him to say, I don't belong here. He had to reinforce that he did. Now, this is a a tweet that I did right after he won. I said, Wyndham also reminded us that championship golf isn't always about the sexy stuff. Impeccable touch around the greens, lag putting under pressure, which, by the way, let." I think that one of the best ways he saved his energy throughout the round was having tap-in pars. Yeah. He lagged it beautifully in some pressure moments. So it's not always sexy, but it's still special stuff. So that's the thing maybe we need to remind ourselves, Serm, is like they're missing it all over the map too. They're getting it stuck in bushes. The difference is is they aren't judging themselves or if they do, they refocus quickly and they fight to get it back they fight to limit the damage
1: guys check that one out episode 248 from june 19th the u.s open recap with wyndham clark topping the leaderboard one of my favorite things about working with the guys that host the podcast is when they send me an episode and they stress the fact that it's one of their favorites and with 250 plus episodes kinda in the log now, that's gotta be kinda tough to beat. You know, when you have a best, and then you think you have another best, and then, oh man, maybe this one was the best. So, this one that's coming up is episode 249 from June 25th. It's called Minuscule Things That Make a Monumental Difference For any golfer. And what are those tiny things that make the biggest impact to your game? And we learn a lot in this episode, I'll tell you what. We also learn what Evan's middle name is, Gregory. He dives into way more on that and shares things that he's never shared before on any of these podcasts that, you know, since day one. So it's a great listen. It was fantastic editing this and being able to go back through it once again and find some of those big parts and put them in here makes it all the better. Jared Steger was the guest. He was a former pro golfer turned coach. And just like it says in the show description for episode 249, you can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the Partrain Train guest, Jared Steger, he talks about how to punch back when golf punches you in the face. Like I said, one of the boys' favorite episodes in almost seven years dropped back on June 25th, episode 249, Minuscule Things That Make a Monumental Difference for Any
4: Golfer with Coach Jared Steger right here aboard the Partrain. Train. You're standing on that tee box and you're afraid of the top, right? Because what happens if you top it? Are you not going to be able to play golf again? Like, are you not going to be able to go to the
0: next hole?
2: It's that fear of embarrassment of your surroundings, the people you're with, the tournament
4: you're at. Yeah,
0: it's that fear and that inner judgment of like, dude, come on. You are not this bad.
4: You're worried about what Sir Max say, is going to say to you if you top it off the tee box in front of in front of everybody. And dude, I honestly I've,
0: think it's actually the personal judgment more than even. I mean, obviously it's embarrassing, and I've yeah. been I've flown across the world and played at Tara Edie and topped eight drives, like yeah. I've done it, and I think the difference has become. And we're actually thinking about doing a series with Brett McCabe. We actually sit down and. And work together on this, yeah. on the course because it's been something I've struggled with. But it's a type of thing. And by the way, I I coach like ten golfers right now mentally. So I think the inner judgment of like, totally, you're a hypocrite. You can help other people, you can't help yourself, right?
4: I've been there. And sorry to cut you off. Like oh, when I was playing, when I was playing professionally, my coach said to me, and this will come full circle, is like, how are you going to be Rory McIlroy? And I'm sitting there like. You know I'm gonna outwork him, I'm gonna hit more balls, I'm gonna read more, I'm gonna work out. And he's like, No, you're not. I'm like, okay, what I'm gonna chip and putt better. I'm gonna a do he's like, he's like, No, you're not. And I'm like, Okay, where are you going with this? And he goes, You can be the best player in the world from 150 yards and in. So for like the next six months, all I did was dial in my wedges. I chipped and putt like crazy, but I had the driver yips at this point because I put so much pressure on myself. I mean, I was taking divots with a driver on the first tee at you know on Canadian Q school and Corn Ferry Q school, and I'm like, I I I'm not even going to hit driver because if, if I rip it, mm. I'm hitting so far down on it. I'm hitting it 235 with the driver, but my three would go is 280. And I'm like, I'm just not going to do this because I I put myself mentally like that trauma, so I can relate to that. Yeah. So it took me a while to to co- to work through that, and again at certain levels, right? Is it, is it technical? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. But it's like your pattern is your pattern to a degree, but I'd go back and say to yourself, when you were shooting 81, 82, I guarantee you, you probably didn't have the trauma with the driver as you do now.
0: Oh, for sure. It was actually one of my best clubs.
4: So I would go back to that and just start simple. Like, what were you doing? I bet you were more relaxed. I bet you were smiling on the golf course. I bet you weren't thinking about don't mess up and don't look like an idiot. Right. So that yeah. like when you, when you break it down from like the mental controls, the physical, I would start to go back to those days and say like, what were you doing then? And whatever you were doing, all I would try to do from now until you, you start to get into a better groove is to incorporate whatever that was. And just let's just trial and error. Let's just start there and see if that starts to help. And for me, I mean, it got to the point where I'm like, I've talked to Bob Rotella. I've talked to a bunch of, bunch of performance coaches. And I mean, I would like lay in bed with my driver and try to become like my best friend with it because it yeah. was, it was that bad. Be- you think I'm, joking? I'm oh, no. I I,
0: joking? I know you're not. Cause I've, so that's, that's all I've thought about for many, many hours. Yeah.
4: Because you're, I can already sense like, you're so traumatic. You're already thinking about it now before the next time you go play. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like, one thing that's helped me is like, now I'm kind of more removed from the playing side is I always go like, you know, what would Dustin Johnson hit here? Or if this was my home golf course, like I see so many players in a tournament, it's a 330 yard hole and guys are just pulling out five iron because like, that's the position player. Like, I don't want to mess up because it's the first hole. And I'm like, you think Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy would be laying up on this 330 yard par four. And it's like, so what if you hit it in the, in the, in the water or in the bunker? Like you're either good enough to get it up and down or, you know, your skill sets high enough. You got right. 36 more holes, 54 more holes to make it up. Well, and that's it, like, right?
2: So what? It's right. like, well, why don't you drive here? Well, you know, I just don't like what I see here. Like, I just, first hole, I just want to ease into it. And you know, it's, it's, funny. Good to, it's good to acknowledge those thoughts, right? But that's something I had to get over for a little while, too, with the yeah. driver. I'm like, I know I can hit hybrid here and maybe make a birdie. But the rest of the field is hitting driver.
4: Right. And, right. it's, so it's, and again, like there's a level I, I, of confidence. I would it. literally be having conversations with myself at, at at tournaments. It's like, okay, if I hit driver, there's a there's a high chance I'm probably going to hit down on this thing, pop it up, and hit it out of bounds, and I'm going to miss the cut. Or I can hit a four iron and hit a, a you know a perfect eight iron when everyone else is hitting driver flip wedge. And I was like, okay, I got to make a decision here which then just added pressure and internal pressure where I'm like, I have to play perfect golf in order for me to compete against these guys, which then just made golf no fun, made it miserable. And it's like, okay, I've kind of cracked the code for myself to where I'm like, you know what? I can get up and just smash it. I mean, it's not all the time, but I'm just like, you know, you hear these guys say, you got to have a short term memory. It's like, so what if you make a double bogey? I'm like, I tell my players, you're going to shoot 78 again. Like it's not like you're trying to shoot 78 or want to shoot 78 It's golf. I mean, look at Justin Thomas. He shot what? 11 over at the U S open the second day. Right. You think he was, you think he was trying to shoot 11 over like right. he's one of the best players in the world. I mean, it, it just, I mean, Dustin Johnson made a quadruple bogey on his second or third hole after shooting Maybe. almost a course <laughs> record, like. Right. Let it go. I mean, well, we talk Johnson, about a lot,
2: Jared, uh, have I? Like, and it's what John Reese used to tell us. Our coach, who Jared knows, was like, "You know, you just can't let these shots define you." And we do that, right? One one swing out of bounds means you can't hit a driver today, right? And that means it has to go out of the bag, and that's that's really challenging. And yeah. Evan it's, it's and I have been talking a lot changed. about that.
0: We talked about that last it, night with our Wyndham Clark episode of just that is the difference. I think is you you think Wyndham Clark wasn't feeling it. You think he wasn't pissed that he made two bogeys coming in and for the first time all week did not hit three greens in a row. Yeah. Like he was coming down the stretch. He could have easily said, Oh, you're blowing it. You're going to blow it. He might've had those thoughts, but he got back to what he did. But really quick, Jared, what you just said about personal pressure. Yeah. Sermon. I, I think it maybe was with Lynn and Pia from vision 54 yeah. But they ask, they ask all of their students and, you know, they're the coaches for Anika Sorenstam for years. Yeah. And they have an amazing school in Arizona and great books. They ask, why do you play? And I realized my why might've been adding personal pressure because guess what my why has been forever. It's the mental challenge and the personal challenge of making mistakes And thinking my way out of it and being proud that I finished, that I made an okay score after a poor one, or I had a great back nine after a front one, or I was really nervous and I refocused on the things that are more productive, the mental challenge of it, right? That is why I played. I got real, just, it just felt so good finishing a round of golf and knowing that it was like a meditation for me. Like I stuck to it and i really accomplished something so then you look at the last year and a half of when i feel like i i couldn't get out of it and now you're judging yourself because you're in it and now you're Great judging time. yourself cuz you can't get out of it and now that's a spiral that makes you feel the the opposite emotion that i just described yep. shame embarrassment frustration yep. why do i spend so much time on this this is what i do yep. for a living i can't even do it that is all judgment Great right time. So I think as we're having this conversation, I can still love the mental challenge of it because that's wired into who I am, but maybe there's some other things I can enjoy and use as my reason as to why I play, you know, go back, go back to when you were shooting 81, 82, right?
4: Like you, you were probably enjoying it better and you really don't know why, like you probably, If you were to take a step back, you probably weren't shooting 82 when you first started. You were probably shooting higher, you know, probably closer to 100. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, you're enjoying the game, which then allowed you to go practice more just because you enjoyed the chase or the journey. Right. Yeah. And then then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm pretty good at this game. And then the judgment starts to kick in. And then other people start telling you, Oh, you're you're pretty good at this game. So if you were to take that, and I see this all the time with like high school players, right? And then college and then mini tour players. And then you see it at the highest level, too, is that internal pressure um gets the best of you. And I mean, I'll be the first one to admit it as much as I don't want it to, like it. I I beat myself up and it took me 10 years post playing to learn. Like, it's just golf and it's just a game. Like as cliches, you hear that with Rory, right? Everyone's like, when's Rory going to win the your next major? And he's at the point where he's like, you know, he switched caddies, right? It's his best friend, which relaxes him on the golf course. He's trying to be more athletic and be more reactive to just like, I'm just going to go play golf. I mean, you're telling me Rory doesn't know how to pl- hit a, a six iron. Right right? He, he doesn't know how to hit a five foot putt. I mean, look at, look at Tommy Fleetwood on the, on the 18th hole. He's having a, he's nine under par or he's eight under par and he, you know, 510 yard par four rips a drive, rips an iron inside five feet, has a chance to shoot 62. He's been making bombs all day and he doesn't even sniff the hole. And it's like, I, you don't think he was feeling it. You don't think he knew that I mean, maybe I—I don't, I don't know, but I guarantee you, he probably was like, "Okay, I could do something special." Versus, like, "What's the objective here? I—I want to hit it here, and I all I can do is hit the best putt possible."
1: Jared Steger at Coach Steegs online and while you're searching for him go ahead and search up the par train as well on Instagram YouTube Twitter and TikTok this is honestly so much more than an hour long podcast once a week guys we have so much content that you guys can take advantage of learn from get some motivation take it to the golf course with you but the thing is with the par train you can use it in other places as well Evan says it at the beginning of every episode on and off the course so keep that in mind as you keep listening to these episodes that are coming up and the topics are just so wide you guys can find anything get any question answered that you may have for your golf game and for your life as well that's what the par train is all about the true mental game podcast give us a follow wherever you find us and head over to roback.com get yourself some polos and q-zips and hoodies and t-shirts and don't forget when you check out enter the code train and you'll get 15 percent off of your entire order That's your monthly recap from the PAR train. Get out there and enjoy the ride, folks, and we'll see you next time. Enjoy it.